Hey guys, and welcome to the Herbal Hour. This week, we are talking all about individualized nutrition. We're going to be talking about different diets, whether they work or not, and our experiences with them, how viruses may play into certain diseases like Hashimoto's. We're also talking about fasting therapy and much, much more. Our special guest today, she is studying integrative health science at National University of Natural Medicine, my school that I go to. She is a massage therapist, and she has much experience in wilderness survival and wild plant identification. She was with the Boy Scouts and the Girl Scouts. Um, Our guest today is Barbara Archivec. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. You're listening to the Herbal Hour Podcast, the podcast for all things holistic health. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and the video will be uploaded to YouTube. If you guys enjoy the show, you appreciate it, give a nice like, review, comment, all the good things. Thank you guys so much for listening. All right, Barbara, welcome to the show. Thank you again for um, for being on. Thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. So can you tell me how this journey started? What you know inspired you to follow this path? Yeah, um, when I was a teenager, I was really interested in cosmology and the the sciences and stars and and energy, and I thought I would be a doctor by the time I was 30, and then I started having babies, Mm -hmm. and I slowed down a little bit, got into a little bit more esoteric work with massage therapy, holistic health practitioner, nutrition, aromatherapy, and um, as my kids had colds, flus, whatever, I wanted to know why. Mm. When my youngest or my oldest daughter was um, six months old, she'd had six ear infections in one ear and one ear in, in the other, and the doctors wanted to put tubes in her ears, and I said, oh, hell no. And I went to um, an acupuncture doctor, mm-hmm. and he didn't needle her. He just gave her herbs, said get her off of milk, and she was better in days. Wow. And really didn't get sick again until high school. And it's interesting, too, because the... The typical route of those recurrent ear infections is just keep giving them antibiotics, right? Mm. And then obviously that causes issues down the road. As we were kind of discussing, um, antibiotics can really mess with, you know, gut flora. Mm -hmm. And nowadays all the research is coming out how linked the uh, gut flora is with like nervous system health, with your mind, obviously with digestion, but how it's kind of like the basis of health. So. Everything is related to your gut mm. and digestion. And if you don't have the ability to digest your food, you don't have the building blocks to rebuild your body to do anything you want mm. it to do. Absolutely. And you can't really uh, you can't really do much without that. And I think that's why um, the naturopathic approach in a lot of cases, they always mm-hmm. say it's like basically a joke at this point, but it's like treat the gut. Yeah, always. Yeah. First. So that's something I wanted to get into today. Um fasting therapies and different diets and things like that um so let's just jump right into it mm-hmm. um what's your experience with different like fasting therapies intermittent fasting things like that years ago the longevity now conference in costa mesa was a big deal david wolf um is still traveling around the the world teaching um all kinds of, of great things about nutrition and is that uh, David Avocado Wolf? That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's he's a lot of fun <laughs> and uh, and very knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. And so um, in his uh, he was part of the Longevity Now conferences, mm-hmm. and they had people from all over the world with cutting edge nutrition and health information. 
and I learned about raw food, and that was the big deal for a while. And then people thought, oh, it started to realize, okay, maybe a little bit of meat's not so bad Mm -hmm. for some people, and one way isn't the way for everyone. But after a few years of kind of playing with it, I decided to do it, and I felt the best I felt in years. Mm. And I did raw food for, for months, three months, and I lost 30 pounds, and I felt great. And I from, went from there to juicing more. And um, every day I would make my coffee drink. Mm-hmm. And it was a, a coffee base, perhaps, or dandy blend, which I love, or mm-hmm. coconut milk, or or tea. And then I would add all kinds of spices, all the, the super nutrient ashwagandha, cordyceps, maca, shaga, shilajit, um, mm-hmm. whatever it was. And so it's hard when I go to doctor's appointments and they say, so what are you taking now? I'm like, well, today I did this, but tomorrow I might do that. And then the next week, it kind of depends. So I have this whole cupboard full of all of these things and I rotate through them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, being uh, being in the clinic in my last year... It's a super typical thing, especially the kind of people that see naturopaths. Mm-hmm. They're uh, they tend to be pretty amazing and like health conscious mm-hmm. people. Um, and sometimes they come in with like a bag of supplements with like thirty or forty supplements, and literally half of the visit is just you trying to write them all down. <laughs> and it's it's kind of a little bit to the point where some um, some like attending physicians, their advice is just. Basically tell them, like, just stop taking everything. Let's figure out what's actually going on. Uh And let's pick, like, a few for you instead of just taking everything. Because the world of supplements is pretty, um, it's like the Wild West. It's daunting. Everything seems like it could help. Mm -hmm. And, like, everything probably does a little bit. Sure. But, you know, there's people who, like, ride around with, like, shopping carts full of supplements. And, you know, they're not any of the more healthier because of it. So it's definitely, you You can take 15 There's an art to it. But how much of that are you actually ingesting yeah. because of your gut health or whatever? That's a good point, yeah. And how much can you ingest at one time? Mm-hmm. Your body can only do so much in a given moment. Mm. And people don't always spread it out through the day. Or um, because I used to do the shotgun approach, like, oh, mm-hmm. this is good for that and this is good for the other. And let's just try all these things. And, and you need this for that to work. And <sighs> I think that's typically how... Uh how people start out in the kind of yeah. supplement and the like the holistic health world. Right. And I think that's why part of the reason why it's so important for people to like really dedicate their lives to understanding mm-hmm. what those things are doing so they can actually give good advice right. to people about like you don't need to take like 15 of those things. This one thing might actually specifically help you, not mm-hmm. just like, you know, the blog article that's written about this right. having research or being helpful right. or something like that. Right. Um, so what's the longest you've ever fasted for? Seven days mm-hmm. was uh, a juice fast, mm-hmm. and so it was strictly juicing and smoothies for seven days. And during that seven days, I had a four-day Girl Scout weekend, mm-hmm. and then I had um, right after that I went into the next Boy Scout weekend, mm-hmm. where we did a 25-mile bike ride, a 10-mile mm-hmm. hike, camping every night, and um, and I felt great, and I had all the energy with just my smoothies. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because the common belief of fasting is like. You know, if you don't have food, you won't have energy. But our bodies are made to be able to survive, like, very long-term lack of food. And, in yeah. fact, it resets a lot of different, you know, processes in the body. Exactly. Um, a, lot we were, of my, mm-hmm. a lot of my focus this last term was on fasting. Mm. 
and intermittent fasting, which I pretty much do. I make my coffee drink mm -hmm. and maybe some juice in the morning, and that's all I have until 2 or 3 in the afternoon. Mm. And then I have something to eat. Today I had an avocado, an apple, a carrot with some hummus. Mm. And that's pretty much all I'm going to eat today. That sounds that My sounds girlfriend, good. she's like, oh my God, you're eating so much. I'm like, well... I had a carrot, an apple, an avocado, <laughs> and some hummus. It's, mm -hmm. it's not so bad. What are the biggest uh, benefits you've noticed from doing things like intermittent fasting? And the... Well, all of the fasting helps to clear your brain because mm. you're getting all of the crud cleared out. Mm. So whatever kind of metabolic waste you have hiding in your system, mm -hmm. from your perfume, your hairspray, your shampoo, your toothpaste, mm -hmm. your lotion, just the things you put on yourself every day, to the, the toxins that may be in the chemicals that are sprayed onto your fruits and vegetables or your processed food in your soy and corn that you're trying to get out of your system. Mm. Then um, it, it helps to reset your immune system. And so whether you're doing water fasting or juice fasting or intermittent fasting mm -hmm. or raw food um, or smoothies, if that's all you're doing, it gives your system a rest and it allows it to reset. Mm -hmm. I've heard um, of some really good research of about when you get into day two of uh, like a strict water fast, mm -hmm. all sorts of cellular processes get like kickstarted, all the uh, phagocytes come out mm -hmm. and they start eating up all the cell debris mm -hmm. and um, cleaning all that out. Mm -hmm. um, and it's interesting too that your body switches to producing ketone bodies from fat mm -hmm. and um, experientially and also according to some research, it's a really good fuel for your brain. And I don't know um, if some of our listeners have tried fasting, but typically what you feel around like the first day or two is you feel like very clear minded, mm -hmm. like uh, almost I remember uh, I've fasted, you know, a bunch of times and typically around 24 hour, 30 hour mark, mm -hmm. I am in almost like a like a spiritual state or mm -hmm. something, for lack of better words, mm -hmm. like very euphoric, everything's very clear minded. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of like, when you go into day two or three, like I was telling you before, you kind of like hit the crash where now your body's just like, no, like need, need nutrition. Um, but if you, you start can, feeling weak. If you can get past that mm -hmm. and do more than three days, then you just start using more of your own body mm -hmm. for energy. Mm -hmm. And most of us have plenty of energy we're walking around with. Yeah. Then you just feel better. And a mm -hmm. lot of people need to lose weight. Mm -hmm. But it's also, uh, it cures can all kinds of different cancers mm -hmm. and cholesterol and high blood pressure. There's just endless, it seems. Some amazing things. stuff. If you just search on PubMed, like uh, The conditions fasting, that are hel helped. There's yes. some... Proven cases of remission from cancer just from water fasting, but they do like intense water fasting yes. They do for like 30 40 days exactly. and they have like medical supervision totally so definitely get medical for supervision If you're gonna do it for that you long. need to be monitored Well the longest time that someone had fasted was Australia or New Zealand one of those mm. countries and it was 362 days I think I heard that story that. kind of like big big yeah, big guy some pounds but he maintained the weight. He was medically supervised when mm. he needed some kind of supplementation that was given to him. But it was a water fast for over a year, and he never gained the weight back. The other thing, too, about this kind of weight loss, and we mm. talked a little bit about the biggest loser mm -hmm. and Optifast and, and liquid protein medical fasting type mm -hmm. diets, is that when people do that, they lose a lot of weight really fast. Mm -hmm. And it it totally screws up their metabolism. And there was a study with Biggest Loser contestants where they found that even after seven years, their metabolism never came back online mm -hmm. the way they thought it would. 
and they can never eat the same amount of calories and maintain their weight loss. Mm. It's just not going to happen. So, like, um, you're saying that crash dieting or doing very, like, severe kinds of diets and fasting can, well, you lose in the long term. a lot of weight in a short period of time. Mm. And it in upsets long-term your mess, system to a point that, that just doesn't come back the same. Well, it kind of makes sense from, like, an evolutionary perspective, right? Because... Um, the main goal of our body is to keep you alive. Mm-hmm. And, like, let's say, you know, we're prehistoric, um, living in caves and, like, hunting and everything. If you don't have food for, like, a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. your body basically just goes into crisis mode and is, like, use as little energy as possible, mm-hmm. store as much as you possibly can, mm-hmm. and it adapts to that so that it can function. Right. There's actually some studies showing that uh, longer into the fast, you're... Um, basal metabolic rate which is like how much calories you actually need just for like basic sustenance without movement Mm -hmm. uh it adapts and becomes lower and lower and lower um and that adaptation could probably stick around for a while if you do some really long they're finding that that's the that's the case Mm. and so two things happen one is that you will then need to change your your way of Mm. eating to a high-density, low-calorie way of doing, mm-hmm. uh, being, which I have had to do because mm-hmm. I did that when I was a teenager and mm-hmm. young adult. And uh, so I have firsthand experience of how um, I cannot eat the way other people eat. Mm. And because of the stress I was under for so long, then now I don't do wheat or dairy or mm. several other weird things like eggplant and mm-hmm. um, oats. Mm. They're, just, they're just some things that my system is like, mm, no. The fascinating thing about water fasting, or just fasting, that's not the extreme fasting, although some would consider solo, only drinking water uh, extreme, but when you do that, the like the Biggest Loser type fasting mm-hmm. um, programs that they've done, you see them after a year where they're having all this excess skin and they have mm-hmm. to have the surgeries. When you do water fasting... You eat up that tissue. You don't mm. have all of the excess skin. You use everything, and you shrink down uniformly, mm. so to speak. For the biggest loser, do they not drink water, or what oh, is like the fasting that they do? It's, it's really calorie restriction and high-intensity workout. Mm. Really so maybe it's like calories. quicker than it was. It would be just doing like a fast, so they're burning fat on top of not having any food. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so, so that combination they're doing has found uh, has proven to be more detrimental. Mm. And then they have all the loose skin because they've lost the weight so fast. Their body can't catch up. Mm. Um, I've heard for years that if you lose 50 pounds or whatever, you have loose skin. You need to give your body about a year to catch up before mm. you start thinking about skin surgeries. But if you do water fasting or these other types of fasting, even juice fasting... You don't have the the loose skin and the need for surgery because mm-hmm, it's more like gradual. It. Yeah, it's, have you it's heard of this kinder. process in the beginning um, where if somebody's you know they're eating crap all the time and suddenly they go on a juice fast? Have you ever heard of this concept of the toxins within the fat kind of being released into the body and causing and this kind of like flu you, type deal? And you have the healing crisis happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, it's not uncommon that people think, oh, this doesn't work. I'm sick because of this. Mm. This what I'm doing. I'm eating mm. better, but I don't feel better. So it must not be working, so I'm not going to keep doing it. Mm. But if they continue to do that and they clear out their system, 
And you, in clearing out your system, I've been telling people for so many years, it's what you put on your body, what you put in mm. your body, what you put around your body. All of these sprays, the Febreze, it's a chemical cocktail from hell. It's horrible. <laughs> it's just horrible. Yeah, it's all all sorts of all these candles, chemicals are that we're inhaling. Toxic. It's just, and people don't realize it's not just your food. Mm. It's the organic is important, but it's not just about eating organic, mm. and not just about not eating at McDonald's. Mm-hmm. It's it's changing the whole milieu. And we were uh, talking previously mm-hmm. about this. Um, so you said that you don't eat like wheat, dairy, things like that. And I've heard many people restricting those and having really good effects from it. Mm-hmm. We were kind of debating over what aspect of wheat and dairy is negative. Is it like the glyphosate uh, pesticides in the wheat? Or is it, you know, the hormones in the dairy? Or is it... You know, food intolerance, is it all the things? So how much of it is you're under so much stress that your body just isn't using anything you take in very well? Mm -hmm. How much of it is the toxic load that you get from the glyphosate Mm -hmm. and all the other poisons they spray because they they become ineffective over time and they put Mm -hmm. billions of more tons of different kinds of poisons on the food? Mm How much of it is that the food has less nutrients because of the monoculture and all mm-hmm. of the poisons and the, the land doesn't get refueled either? Mm-hmm. How much of it is that you eat the same thing day in and day out? You have cereal for breakfast, a sandwich at lunch, you have cookies and cakes and pies and pasta and bread all day long every day. Mm-hmm. And you don't have variety in your diet. You eat the same thing and then you become allergic to the mm. same thing because that's all you get. So it's like you're over flooding your system so much with one particular thing that your body kind of starts raising some alarms and, uh, and something you, that you wouldn't be intolerant to in small amounts. Over time becomes mm. intolerable. Mm. And then you're also not getting any kind of diversity in your nutrition mm. if you're eating the same thing all the time. Mm. And I ask people, well, just stop eating wheat. Mm-hmm. for a week and they're like oh my god i can't do that what stop eating wheat and dairy and sugar well that that's that's everything what will i eat it's what? actually you have to like really make a lot of changes i mean here in portland we're blessed it's with like so difficult in 500 t- types so difficult. of gluten-free bread yeah. but in other places it's like if you're not eating wheat and dairy or meat what are what are you eating from anywhere other than just like right. you go to the supermarket and right. buy stuff for yourself and JJ Virgin has the lose seven pounds in seven days getting rid of seven things and she talks about the seven most allergenic foods wheat dairy soy corn eggs and and she says that you don't have to it's not so difficult you mm. don't cut out something mm. you can just make a sideways shift to start mm. and I haven't had bread in so long mm. I don't even care about it anymore But here's the thing that most people have the problem with when you say, don't eat wheat. They're like, oh my God. When you tell them how prevalent wheat is in their diet, it's in gravy, it's in licorice, it's in ketchup, it's in the craziest things. It's in oats because they coat the oats in wheat flour so it doesn't stick to the machine when they roll the oats. Mm. And it's in the processing plants, It's it's in nearly everything. The other thing about that, when they think, oh, I can't do that because it's everything that I eat, is also the addictive quality because of the morphines, the galactomorphines in milk mm. and the morphines in wheat and these, these pieces of the food that hit your pleasure centers mm. over and over and over, and it feels so good. Mm-hmm. I was watching, 
my 600 pound life yesterday. Mm -hmm. This poor woman was 37, had a couple of kids um, before she weighed 700 pounds. She couldn't barely get out of bed anymore. Mm -hmm. And she ate all day long the most heinous food, but that's what made her feel better. Mm. She couldn't get through the day without all of this processed sugar, fat, wheat, dairy food because it, that's the only thing that made her feel good. Mm. Because she had all of this other trauma in her life and she just the only thing she had control of was her food. Mm. And the only thing that made her feel better were these kinds of food. I think that's a really key thing for anybody who works in the kind of holistic health sphere, whether they're a nutritionist, a naturopath, and they're uh, dealing with people's diets. I've heard it said that changing someone's diet is one of the most invasive things that you can possibly do to someone. It's the thing they have the most control over. And it's, I think it's partly because of that, um, that our diets are ways that you know, we make ourselves feel better, like ice cream when you're not feeling so good. Mm-hmm. makes you feel, I mean, it makes you feel like crap after an hour later, but to your brain, it's like, For the most, this makes me feel better now. Right? So, or chocolate or And then when that half sugar. gallon is done, what's next? Because that hit is gone. I want something more. Well, that's and how you get hooked hungry. on the cycle, right? Because that blood sugar spikes, right? And then it crashes down and now your body's like, we need more of that. For the next thing. And, then and the same thing stuck. when you have the, the processed food, it, it has no nutrition. I was teaching kids um, years ago in summer school about, the, I was supposed to teach about digestion. I mm-hmm. thought, okay, what's, what's a cool thing that, that middle schoolers are going to like about digestion? So I taught them about the digestion of a French fry. Mm. And the, the soy oil and the corn syrup and all of these things that the hydrogenated oil it's cooked in. Not only are the pesticides, but the hydrogenation, the hydrogenated fat will go into your cells, into the little space where the fat's supposed to go. But because it has um, one of the ends messed up, it doesn't act like a fat in your cell properly. Mm. So fat goes in and it's supposed to be this century, this guard for your cell. But hydrogenated oil goes into your fat cells and it just sits there and it lets anything in, it lets anything out. It doesn't protect the cell like it's supposed to. Mm. So now you have all these things coming into your cells that don't belong. Interesting. So So that's why trans fats are... It's one of the reasons why they're so horrible. Mm. Because on a cellular level, it's not working like a fat... Like plastics, mm-hmm. how, um, how plastics act like estrogens in your system. Mm-hmm. They fit in that little... They fit like a key in the lock, but they won't turn the lock and make it work properly. They just sit there and take up space so the things that make it work properly can't get there. That's the interesting place we're in now is our um, our science and our technology is at such a point that we can really you know change the structure of our food but our body has you know been adapted to eating the same kind of food for millions hundreds of millions of years mm-hmm. um, and then we go around and we start you know doing all sorts of weird things to uh, to food and, well, and like chemical with- processes and then we take them and then we're wondering you know why we feel like crap and why there's all this chronic disease and it's like you know high fructose corn syrup mm-hmm. not it's not from nature your body doesn't know what the hell to do with it because exactly. it spikes your your insulin's like your body's like this is just poison and your liver doesn't know how to digest it so right. it goes through your system a couple of times before it just deposits it it's and becomes like, fat in the liver too 
all over the place. That's uh, Once your liver gets full, it goes someplace else. Mm. And then it gets all through your muscle tissue. And then you ache because you have fat where it's not supposed to be. Mm. The other thing with weight, too, is there's the genetic engineering. And people, mm-hmm. mm, there's debate over whether the problem is the genetic engineering and the viruses and the, the chemicals and all the things, that the shotgun of things that they send into it that cause it to react or to produce different kind of wheat or is it that wheat has been hybridized so many times Mm -hmm. that now it has more chromosomes and more gluten per amount of wheat Mm -hmm. than we were ever used to Mm -hmm. so in europe i went to europe and i Mm -hmm. ate the wheat and i didn't die Mm -hmm. i didn't explode it was great Mm -hmm. but they use different wheat they Mm -hmm. haven't hybridized their wheat so much it doesn't have the same gluten content that that our wheat does and so is it that we just can't adapt to that much gluten Mm. on such a regular basis Mm -hmm. or is it the chemicals and the genetic engineering the pesticide there's so many reasons why it's just wrong there's an interesting process that happens within the immune system where if like one kind of food or substance is attached to another one that you're reactive to, Mm -hmm. your body will learn to recognize the whole thing as reactive to. So there's this theory that the reason why people are so intolerant to wheat and they weren't previously in the past is because your body sees glyphosate and your uh, immune system mounts some kind of response uh, to it, right? Mm -hmm. Trying to get rid of it, trying to sequester it, Mm -hmm. something like that. But it's attached to, like, you know, the other stuff in the wheat, the gluten and everything. Mm-hmm. So your body sees the wheat now and it thinks glyphosate even if it's not there. So it's mm-hmm. like uh, autom- it's like um, that same, like, Pavlov's dog conditioning. Mm-hmm. It happens with the immune system. So how much of that is happening with all of our foods? And the other thing about the glyphosate is that the, the argument is that it's safe, mm-hmm. that it only kills the bacteria. And it kills bacteria because it goes into the shikimate pathway Mm -hmm. that bacteria have, and it goes into their system, and it makes their guts explode. (laughs) Well, we don't have a shikimate pathway, so it's safe, right? Mm. Except all of our interior is covered with these little bacteria that digest our food. Mm. And when you eat glyphosate, it goes in, and it explodes all the guts of all those friendly bacteria. Mm. So every time you eat it, it's like taking an antibiotic. And from what I understand, uh, wheat is typically the most sprayed out of many of the different uh, vegetables and produce, right? They spray it uh, on the the ground before. They spray it on the wheat several times during the growing process. Then they spray it on afterward as a desiccant to dry it out. Is it just really... um really vulnerable to you know being eaten by insects and all of that i don't know how much the 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 engineering of it has caused it to be weaker that way Mm, or how much it's just sprayed so much that it gets weaker because it's sprayed so much it doesn't have a chance to be stronger because Mm. it's sprayed so much Mm. and how much of that is propaganda from the companies that are making it how much money are they making from it well glyphosate from what i remember wasn't it um a chemical byproduct from some other industrial process and they just kind of happen to find that it also is a great pesticide mm-hmm. a lot of things are like that like aspartame if you know oh, aspartame don't get me the infamous <laughs> oh, neurotoxin God. sweetener that was accidentally poison. discovered oh it's sweet of, to be sweet like, yeah donald rumsfeld had his hand in that one he mm, made billions that's and crazy it's it should not be in the food supply but if you have enough money, you can make things happen. Man, that's a racket. If you can figure out a way 
to not only find a good way to dispose of your chemical waste, but make people actually buy your chemical waste from like you. fluoride is so good for you. <laughs> well, sodium fluoride that's in your toothpaste is toxic waste mm. that doesn't get disposed of properly because it goes into your toothpaste. Mm. Calcium fluoride is what helps build your teeth. Interesting. And that's the fluoride in your vegetables that you need to get. Thankfully, from what I understand, uh, the water here in Portland doesn't is not... Doesn't have fluoride. Thank God. Yeah. Um, it's also not to get too much in that rabbit hole, but it's questionable whether like drinking water is really the best way to get fluoride on your teeth. No, in fact, if you get too much fluoride, it not only affects your pineal gland Mm. and your thyroid, but it causes fluorosis. It causes holes in your teeth. Mm. It's, it's not. So basically instead of helping your teeth, it actually destroys your teeth. That's like extra ironic. Yeah. So you were telling me before that you did like Boy Scout training, Girl mm-hmm. Scout training, mm-hmm. all that, and some wilderness survival. Mm-hmm. And you also mentioned that the longest you've been in the wild was for what, two Couple weeks? Two weeks. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about that? That sounds like an intense experience. It's so much fun. Um, so, backpacking, I've done, you know, just put stuff on your back and go out for up to five days. Mm-hmm. But um, the uh, Boy Scouts have several high adventure camps, and one of them is Philmont, which is in the northeast, northwest northeast corner of New Mexico. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the tricks is that you take your backpack, they go through everything, and they make you take a bunch of stuff out that you don't need. Mm -hmm. And then you get your food, and you um, you get a guide for a couple of days, and they teach you where all the outhouses are or where they're not and what to do, where to go, and then they give you a map, and you go. And so each day you have to go to a different camp, basically. Um, and some of them are higher adventure than others, where mm-hmm. you're, you're hiking 14 to 20 miles a day. Ours were 5 to 7. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of more fun. Mm-hmm. We had more time in each other camp. And, and each day it was like going to a different summer camp for Boy Scouts, where we did mm-hmm. fly fishing, we did rock climbing, we did... Um, horseback riding and so many other things. Mm. And, and were you kind of given food or some kind of rations? We had three places along the way where we had to pick up food. Oh, God. Yeah. But the other thing that I do as well and have been teaching is edible weeds. And mm-hmm. so I would go along and forage for a salad along with everything else that I was eating. Mm. That's really useful to know. Yeah. Um, wilderness survival is extra. Mm-hmm. You know, interesting. It's a very useful tool. Teaching Cub Scouts how to, to eat out of their front yard is mm. the most fun thing. Mm. It's just watching them go, what? That Dad says that's a weed. We pull that up and throw it away. I say, well, that mm. has the most omega-3 fatty acids of any plant. You should be eating mm. purslane, not throwing it away. And I think that's part of the beauty and one of the reasons why I love herbal medicine so much is uh, because it's so accessible. Mm-hmm. You know, if... You know, you're living off the grid or something happens, you, you can't manufacture pharmaceuticals. You have to go back to finding medicinal components mm-hmm. in plants. And that's not even to uh, mention how many undiscovered uh, compounds and combinations there is in nature that we just haven't, uh, haven't used. And some of them, like mm-hmm. you mentioned, grow right in your, mm-hmm. right in your front yard mm-hmm. uh, and can help you out with some kind of health problem. You're at the playground and your kid skins their knee. And there's plantain growing right there, mm, depending on how much spring may be happening. You can <laughs> just chew it up plantain. and just make a little poultice right there on the yeah. spot. Mm-hmm. So what are your, some of your favorite um, weeds that people don't really 
uh, think of as herbs that you use? Like oh, in, sure. Um, well, there, uh, dandelion is one mm-hmm. of my favorites. It is ubiquitous mm-hmm. around the world, I think, now. Mm-hmm. And um, you can use the flowers to make all kinds of great things. They're edible. Dandelion mm-hmm. wine and mm-hmm. tea. I dry them out for tea. Mm-hmm. The leaves I make pesto. I use in salads. Mm-hmm. So easy. Mm-hmm. And then the roots you can you can um, take and dry out and and um, uh, cook a little bit and make coffee out of mm-hmm. it. They have um, the roots specifically have a lot of medicinal uses. Oh, They're wow. um, specific for a lot of like liver gallbladder conditions, mm-hmm. digestion. Exactly. Uh, pretty actually potent in mm-hmm. terms of those kind of herbs. And, uh, and so just many of these the things. Yeah. They're they're. I have posted so many things on Facebook like dandelions cure cancer. <laughs> and everyone puts pesticides on them instead of eating them. They come up in your yard to help you. Mm. So eat them. Chickweed that comes up in the mm. spring, although I've seen it all over the place this year. In, in California, it's only in the spring, but we have a little bit more temperate climate some places, mm-hmm. more moisture. And chickweed is great. I love mm. chickweed. And it tastes good. Um, uh, another one I always find when I'm, I'm hiking is... Um, Oh, I can see it. It'll come to me. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Is there any uh, resources yeah. that you'd uh, recommend for people who uh, well, want to forage their you know, front yards yeah. or their local forest? There, there's Look for a book on edible weeds. There mm-hmm. are so many. And in the Pacific Northwest, mm-hmm. specifically if you're here or for your region, mm-hmm. there are so many books. There's YouTubes on edible weeds. That's kind mm-hmm. of where I started. Mm-hmm. And then I got into books. I found one at my library. They were given away. Mm-hmm. And um, then Boy Scouts actually has something. It's a, a plastic-coated um, trifold kind of pamphlet. Mm. So it's just easy to take out. There's about flowers, but also about edible weeds. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, beautiful to be able to understand your environment and really know what's growing around you mm-hmm. and making use of these you know wonderful healing medicines that mm-hmm. can be right in your uh, yard. Purslane and plantain. Plantain's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um Plant, uh, purslane has uh, it's really high in omega three fatty acids. Likes mm-hmm. to come out in the summer. Mm-hmm. It's a succulent, mm-hmm. and um, it's also called verdolaga mm. in Hispanic cultures. And they fry it up and make all kind of great stuff out of it. Mm. There's uh, especially in this area. There's tons of very uh, aromatic plants from the mint family that grow mm-hmm. all around. Like you just see wild lavender, you see wild thyme, mm-hmm. rosemary. Mm-hmm. Um, peppermint and you know lemon balm and all that stuff is just growing around angelica so many great things Mm -hmm. everywhere that you can make tea out of that Mm -hmm. you can make most of them make wonderful tea it's a great way to get this stuff in but they Mm -hmm. make great salads they make great pestos stinging nettle is one of my all-time favorites Mm. i love stinging nettle you have to be a little careful collecting it. Yeah, you have to steam it or steam cook it, it or fry it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and once you steam it, I've tried just putting it in the blender. Still a little prickly in your throat. Mm-hmm. Just putting it in the blender. Cooking is what really takes the little barbs away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's the way to go. Mm. We were speaking um, before about the connection between viruses and other diseases. You brought up some interesting points. Can you uh, tell us a little bit more about that? I know you were saying specifically there's some links between um, Epstein-Barr virus and Hashimoto's. And And I know that that's something that you were struggling with, thyroid issues and things like that. Absolutely, yeah. Some people say that um, the Hashimoto's has a lot to do with eating wheat. Mm. Because if you can't break down the wheat... 
the and this is where um, leaky gut comes into play. Mm-hmm. Now, some say leaky gut isn't a thing, and some say, well, yeah, things get through that shouldn't get through. Mm-hmm. So it, everybody has their opinion. But many say that if you eat wheat and it doesn't break down properly, it's all of the the the, the pieces of your food are like a pearl necklace. Mm. And instead of breaking into individual pearls, each individual nutrient, you have these little peptides that stay together mm-hmm. and get into your system and into your blood where they're not supposed to be mm. in a chain. And when you eat wheat, these little peptides look just like thyroid hormone. Mm. And so your body will attack that little peptide in your blood because it's not supposed to be there. Mm. It's from wheat. But over time, it looks like your thyroid, and you keep eating it, and it starts attacking everything that looks like that, mm. starts attacking your thyroid. Kind of that conditioning process that so, I mentioned about the immune system. And so Hashimoto's is, any diagnosis is just a name for something that's happening. Mm-hmm. And so what's happening is your body is attacking yourself. The other thing that could be the problem, mm. and, and more where my belief system is, there are viruses all over the place. Mm-hmm. Hashim- uh, Epstein-Barr is one of them. Mm-hmm. And so viruses use your own cells to replicate. Mm-hmm. So if you are having a high viral load, and pretty much the whole planet has Epstein-Barr, and probably a host of other viruses that we haven't even discovered yet. It's the, um, the virus that's held to cause uh, mononucleosis. Exactly. Yeah. And, and uh, it's in the herpes family. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's ubiquitous as well. It's everywhere. And so it gets into your system, and then your body attacks those cells because it's mm. got stuff that's not supposed to be in there. It's called autoimmune. Your body is not designed to attack itself. Mm-hmm. So the word or the term autoimmune is really not correct. Yes, you're attacking yourself. But you're attacking the self that has something in it that shouldn't be there. Mm. So it's trying to attack the virus because the virus has become you. Mm. So eating more of these um, herbs and spices and superfoods, blueberries and anthocyanins and and cilantro Mm -hmm. are antiviral. So they help break down those viruses and clean them out of your system. Mm. And then you can heal from the viral load. Mm. There's been uh, research linking certain virus types to certain kinds of cancers. Mm-hmm. Um, most obvious one is uh, HPV and, and cervical cancer, which is the reason you know people get vaccines and, and that for that to reduce that risk. How much of a factor do you think viruses play in all cancer formation? Is it more like specifically which kind of cancer, or is it like a bigger part? I have some experience with cancer, mm-hmm. um, personally, unfortunately, not myself. My husband passed four years ago. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, uh, and so I, I took a deep dive into cancer. That, that My whole education has been learning how not to have cancer. Mm. And so when he got cancer, my first thought was, damn, that sucks. But okay, I got this. This mm. is what I've been studying for years. I know how not to do this. Mm. Part of why he passed was because we found it so late. It was it was just spread too far. What kind of cancer was it? They think it was kidney. That's where the biggest tumor mm. was. But it had spread to his lungs. And and so um, he'd had a chronic cough for a year. And I kept saying, you know, your tuberculosis is kicking up again. He's like, I don't have tuberculosis. I have allergies. So I'm a man. I'm not going to go to the doctor. Yeah, that's that's 
very typical. <laughs> and, and I learned a lot of the signs and symptoms mm. after. And so I, in hindsight, I could see the progression, but I didn't understand what was happening at the time. Um, the other thing is, and the hardest part for me to learn, which I think will be the best thing for me as a doctor, mm-hmm. is no matter how much I know and how much I can, I can give information about how not to have cancer, how to kick it and kill it and live healthfully, it wasn't my cancer. Mm. And no matter how much I wanted to change what he was eating, he didn't. Mm. He didn't want to not have sugar and pizza and beer with the football playoffs. Mm. He still wanted to go to Burger King. Mm. And, and when I got him off of those things for a short time and he tried to eat wheat again, I could see that he had symptoms. Mm. of wheat intolerance and dairy intolerance and these other things. And, and of course, sugar feeds cancer. Mm-hmm. I couldn't get him on a no-sugar diet to save my life, mm. <laughs> pun intended. Mm. And, um, and so that was difficult. But you can only lead people as far as they're willing to go. Mm. And you have to work within their comfort level. And so offering... That sideways shift of gluten-free bread or mm. whatever it is, the different types of sugar that are more healthy instead mm. of the corn syrups and the processed sugars. Um, it's It depends on how far along your cancer is. Mm. I believe you can heal from anything if you give your body what it needs to do that. Mm. But you have to be in it to win it. You have to want to. Mm. And if your belief system is so rooted in the way I have eaten is just fine and I like what I'm eating and what I eat makes me feel good though it's killing you I can't change that Mm. that's the difficult thing with food is it's not always very apparent that it's leading to ill health because sometimes like a lot of these different intolerances and uh, immune reactions happen for days after you eat the original thing or years or they affect you know other organ systems or just mm-hmm. how your gut functions and you don't see the effects of you know eating pizza three times a day for 10 years but when you do see the effects it's already almost kind of too late sometimes in some cases and if you if you add in all the pesticides all the plastics all the microwaving mm. which mutates viruses in your food and bacteria mm. and and the, the the stress and fear that we live under, if you watch the news, the biggest thing I tell my mom, stop watching the news. Mm-hmm. I tell my parents that all the time, too. It's horrible. It's, it's <laughs> I don't even have this... cable. I unplugged it like yeah, yeah. seven or eight years exactly. ago. Exactly. <laughs> yes, I'm here. I, I YouTube some things and I Netflix documentaries mm. or some things. But um, <sighs> television is designed to keep you in fear. Mm. And fear is no place to make good decisions. Mm. You're never going to mm. make a good decision in your life when you're living in fear. Mm. That's uh, it's a hard truth, but it is definitely a truth. Yeah. It's a tough one. Mm. And convincing people to turn off the TV, they're as addicted to that as they are to their wheat. Mm. Yeah, and the thing about um, popular media is... The things that get shown to us are the things that, you know, unconsciously want to be watched. So it's not even necessarily that there's some, like, organization putting out things to control us. It's 
that's what people actually want. That's what people get addicted to. So the market, you know, demand creates more of that fluff uh, to keep time occupied. There's a lot of conspiracy theory around Mm -hmm. the pharmaceutical, the FDA, and how they're all in bed and they just play musical chairs with their heads of... I've heard that, yeah. You know. Definitely. And and I, I don't say that's not true. You can see that that's mm-hmm. actually happening, mm-hmm. and whose interest are they working in, for the most part? But the other thing is too, just companies that make a product want to sell their product. Right. And so, dandruff shampoo, like dandruff, didn't become a social stigma until someone wanted to sell you shampoo. Mm. And so, a lot of companies create a problem so that you will buy their product, where mm-hmm. no problem existed. Mm. But now you got to have the thing. Yeah, that's the hard thing, especially for companies that are like publicly owned, that um, have to really take heed of their stock owners and things like that. At the end of the day, their main goal is to turn a profit. And that becomes especially disastrous in the healthcare industry. That Everybody has that's to be very have dangerous. more. It always has to be more. At what mm. point does any large company say, you know what? We didn't make more, and we're going to start making less because this model of having more every quarter is unattainable. (laughs) It's not sustainable, and people are sick and unwell because at Amazon, you have to meet your quota, and we have to keep those Mm. little worker bees working so hard, causing them stress, making their $15 an hour. Mm but burning themselves out because they don't have time to get to the other end of the arena to go to the bathroom. Mm. What do you think is the solution to this? And I know that's a really complex uh, question because it's like a whole machine has been set into motion that it's the combination of so many people's actions at once that it almost has a life of its own where it's like pulling people into it. People, they want their stuff. Mm. And, And there is a psychological hit to your brain and that pleasure center when you buy a new thing. Mm-hmm. I when, certainly get that. <laughs> <laughs> and people are addicted to their Amazon and what's on sale today or have what's you ever, special. Have you ever gone to like a store and then just filled up and like got all the stuff you wanted in the cart and then before you leave just put it all back? Or you don't take it. Oh, it yeah. fulfills everything uh-huh. and you don't actually feel bad. I've actually done it. Uh, okay. Like. Go to a store, just go crazy. Be like, I want these, I want these shoes, I want this, I want this TV. You put it in there right when you're about to leave. Just look at the car and be like, eh, maybe I'll get this one thing. Uh And then leave and you have all the satisfaction of the dopamine, but you're not in debt and you're not Mm -hmm. a wage slave. Well, that's the way to do it. (laughs) No, I have definitely gone into the store for a thing. Mm-hmm. So I didn't take a basket or a cart, and I come out. Oh, yeah, that I, always happens. Oh, I forgot I needed celery, and I forgot I was out of eggs, and I needed some. Oh, the butter's on sale. And Yeah, it's, it helps to have, like, a yeah. list and, like, not go. But, it's, you know, who really does that? Uh, <laughs> it's tough. You know. We're doing the best we can, you know. Uh, for all of its ills, we do live in an incredibly prosperous time. You go to one of these Fred Meyers out here, which is, like, kind of for people who aren't in this area. Uh, it's like Everything. a big, big grocery store. Yeah. There's like, in the cereal aisle, there's like a hundred different kinds of cereal. I'm just like, I literally can't even pick. I'm, I'm not going to get anything. I saw somebody yesterday, a grown man, pick up Fruit Loops. And, <laughs> and all I could think was, people still eat that? It's like not food. 
I, why? Why would you put that in your body? I think we kind of live in a bubble. <laughs> I think that's what I've realized is um, being at like you know National University of Natural Medicine for like four years and in Portland, which mm-hmm. is very health conscious. Right. I just assume that like everybody knows about glyphosate and everybody knows about GMO and everybody right. knows about organic and everyone knows about gluten and. It's actually not true. We're, we live in a, in a okay. health bubble. And some people... More people know it's trickling out. But, I mean, I've been studying this for 30 mm. years. Mm. I know all of this. I found all this information. It's not hiding. Right. It's all, it's all there right in front of us. Right. I learned. We're being manipulated by marketing. Like, have you seen... I mean, it is, it is ridiculous when you can see gluten-free on these days. Yeah. Things that don't have any relation to wheat. Like, Never did. Um, I've seen drinks that were gluten-free. Corn I've, oil. Uh, gluten-free. I'm like, mm, just yeah. anything gluten-free, like gluten-free yeah. supplement. I'm like, have they been putting wheat in these capsules? <laughs> mm-hmm. No, it's just like, a, it's like now it's a buzzword. Right. Another thing to add about, and I think this is an important note to make, when you become very conscious of your eating habits and things like that, it's really, uh, I think it's important to allow yourself to be a human also and have your your things that you like and not like, you know, beat yourself down if you slip outside your diet. Because I think actually that leads to a lot more issues than just, you know, the occasional time you have pizza. Like you being like guilty about it, that's what actually messes you up. And it's hard stress. to get there. It was hard for me to get there. And so as much as I talk about all of these things that I do every day, I still eat tots at McMinimins. They're good, you know. <laughs> tots and, are tots are hard to resist. Or like know, a, I don't know if you're a vegetarian, but like a nice burger. I am it's a, hard to a, go without. I'm a McMinimins passport holder. I'm working on my fourth. <laughs> and some of the 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 prizes you get are burgers. Mm. And so it takes me a year or three months sometimes to get through a passport. And a couple of the the prizes are burgers. And occasionally I will have a seventeen dollar burger <laughs> because. Because, you know, a few times a year. You need to. Actually. It's fun. It could be argued that it's actually more healthy to do it that way than mm-hmm. it is to completely restrict. Mm-hmm. Completely. I mean, there's a good amount of, uh, of research around weight loss that if you're constantly in a, a caloric uh, deficit, mm-hmm. your body adapts and then you stop you know, losing that weight. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you have like a cheat day. Mm-hmm. It kind of like resets you your have system. Some fun. Yeah, but so you don't like beat yourself up for it. You eat really, really amazing mm-hmm. for six days. Yeah, and then the seventh day, you just eat whatever you want to your to your desire, and then the overwhelming majority of your diet's healthy, and you get to have treats. And then when you do have treats, you don't binge on them because you treated yourself. So you know it's kind of. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably the most reasonable way to do it is to. And, a, yeah. I mean, you gotta enjoy like delicious food sometimes, sure. right? There was a time. Kale gets day, boring eventually. Yeah, when I was two hundred and fifty pounds, and I could eat a whole cake. Mm. You know, and you that just sounds eat. like you were in like a world of hell after you ate the cake. <laughs> from weird. like guilt so to like many. feeling clogged to like feeling like your heart rate slow, like uh. just a lump. Yeah, <laughs> and, but but I have gotten to a point because I have changed my food so much mm. that I can eat a bite. Mm. And be so happy. Mm. I just need the taste. I've experienced it. I'm done. Mm. And and that's all I need. Just the experience. I don't need the mm. whole overload of mm-hmm. a whole piece of something. I think the key thing to all nutrition is every person is unique. 
we obviously have some commonalities, like you know, eating trans fats is probably bad for 99% of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're all unique, and I think the journey of finding your diet, which I think even the term diet is misleading because it seems to imply that you should go on periods of times of eating rather than right. just like kind of finding your way of eating that works for you and that you have some variance in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the most important is like finding your own thing. And I think that's why things like the elimination challenge and, and mm-hmm. things of that nature where you kind of take out a lot of the possible things that you're allergic to mm-hmm. uh, or intolerant of and then add them back in to see if you have reactions to mm-hmm. it. They're powerful and they're individualized. So you because, can find out what you're allergic right. to because maybe like maybe gluten's fine for like, you know, exactly. that person. Maybe like exactly. maybe it's good for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, but you have to know for yourself. Some right. people, like, you know, someone who has, like, true celiac disease, they have, like, a little little, little amount of wheat, a little amount of gluten, and, and their whole destroyed. intestines just start, oh, start bleeding. So and they, It's so bad. Right? I, just, I explode. It's yeah. bad. <laughs> yeah, and some people, they can eat, like, bread and just bread and bread, and they're fine. They're fine. So I think it's important to get beyond this idea of there's good and bad foods. Mm-hmm. There probably are some foods which are generally bad. Um, but get more to what's the right food for me and what's the right food for what I'm trying to do with my body. There was a um, YouTube that we had to watch for a class, mm. and um, bottom line, she found that we're going about treating people the wrong way. We tell people that they need to do X, Y, and Z to get their health. But she said, that's kind of backwards. Mm. If you ask people, what do you want your health for, then making changes makes sense. And then if we make those changes and we feel better and we get the health to, in my case, go hiking and backpacking whenever I want to, um, then I feel better. I'm eating the foods that support that activity. And, And I have the control. I have the nutrition. And I feel better. And then I can go have fun. Mm-hmm. And so that's something we've touched on a couple of times, mm-hmm. is that some of the foods that we're addicted to, the processed foods, the wheat, the dairy, the sugar, corn syrup, they, they gum up the works and prevent us from feeling happy. Mm-hmm. And so we look to outside sources like coffee, like gambling, like shopping. Mm-hmm. To get that hit of happy, mm. where where the wheat or the dairy does that, but it's gumming up the works, mm-hmm. and so we go to all these other extremes to find the happy thing, and then we're we're just overloaded with stuff. Mm-hmm. I have been cleaning. I've been I've been told for years I have too much stuff. Mm. I'm Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, PTA. I have all the crafts and the things and the books and the. Can I have a 12-man tent? I don't need. I need to sell it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm never going to use a 12-man tent Sometimes decluttering is... And I, it feels so good to have less stuff. Mm. It's not just less to dust, but it's just more space to, to move around in. Mm. The less stuff you have, the less stuff has you. You know, because you, if you own a lot of things, first of all, it clutters up your space. Mm-hmm. Second of all, you think of those things. Where you might not even use it, but you might be afraid of, you know, someone stealing it. You might, all this kind of ridiculous uh, mind that gets paid to things. I think it's a really key point also that you made about um, 
the diets like being for what you're trying to do with your body. Mm -hmm. So I was telling you previously that I've experimented with ketogenic diets and Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, And what I found, uh, probably for like a month or two, and what I found was that the keto diet, which is pretty much like no carb, it's like Mm -hmm. 30 grams of carbs or less a Mm -hmm. day, It, if you're trying to be like a marathon runner, that's like a great diet. Mm -hmm. But if you're trying to lift weights or you're trying to do martial arts or any kind of explosive activity, like I felt weaker. Like like I was telling you, I had tons of energy for like running Mm -hmm. and like long distance running. But, like, I could barely lift, you know, like, half of what I was lifting before weight-wise. You didn't have the carbs for that explosion of energy. For that glycogen and mm-hmm. everything. So it, it goes down. There's no perfect diet. There's a perfect diet for you for what you're trying you to do. do. There's exactly. two parts to it. Exactly. Because some diets just, keto might just not work for some people. Mm-hmm. Some people, I know of um, some of my friends who really, like, need carbs to function well. Mm-hmm. I am not like that. I can go on super low carb and I feel, like, amazing. Mm-hmm. But that's just me, you know? And then if I'm going to try to weightlift, I have to be mindful of adding those carbs back in because I need it for the weightlifting. Mm-hmm. So right. um, nutrition is very individualized, and I think that's where all the fads and the blog posts get it wrong is there's no right there's answer. No there's way. just information. The, there's a commercial I saw recently for the South Beach Diet, and the lady comes in with her box of stuff that just got delivered to her door, and she says, this is the greatest diet that works for me. Mm. What a great way to say that. It's mm. not the end-all, be-all. It's the thing that works for you. Mm. I think uh, that's a great place to leave it. Find what works for you in terms of diet, in terms of lifestyle, mm-hmm. in terms of all those things. Uh, thank you again for being on the show. really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much. Hope to have you on again. Excellent. Thanks so much for listening, guys. If you appreciate it, please give that a subscribe, a like, and a nice review. Uh, Big announcement, holisticpsyche.com will soon be live. The purpose of this website is to spark the notion that mental wellness is possible through means outside of pharmaceuticals. A life with meaning is one that can bear the struggles and rise above them all the wiser. Therefore, I believe it is through meaningful action, speech, and mind that we find the joy that is our birthright. My vision for Holistic Psyche is to share natural approaches to mental wellness through articles on herbs, supplements, foods, and natural living that help our psyche become whole. It's also a way for us to learn and share uh, therapies that are beyond the pill-based approach to mental wellness. Things like psychedelic medicines, shamanic techniques, meditation, dream therapy, mythology, psychotherapy methods, and really all the ways we extract meaning from the world to apply in living as the greatest, most fulfilled versions of ourselves. If you are interested and would like to support this vision for a holistic mental wellness that looks at really all aspects of the human to make the psyche whole, We will be accepting submissions of articles, personal experiences, and the like from those passionate about natural mental health. Um, The website, again, is holisticpsyche.com, H-O-L-I-S-T-I-C, psyche, P-S-Y-C-H-E.com. Hope to see you guys there.